Welcome to Masters of Self University Podcast, your highest source of sacred truths and universal wisdom. Hello, beautiful souls. I'm Rachel Fiore, mystic, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and founder of Masters of Self University. Join our journey of soul transformation as we deep dive into this latest episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Masters of Self University podcast. I'm your host, Ellie Lee. And I'm your host, Danny Morley. And today we are going to talk about getting off antidepressants after Ellie's recent experience with this. Now, I just want to start by saying, by no means is this any some sort of medical advice, medical information. We are simply just relaying our experiences with this topic. Uh, we are not claiming to be any doctor or professional doctor who's giving health advice by any means. We are simply sharing this uh, from our own experiences. So with that being said, Ellie, when did you first start taking antidepressants? Well, just to give you context, I'm 35 years old now, and I have been on them since I was 16 years old, which if you do the math, that is a whopping 19 years, my friends. Uh, that's a really long time. I had a commenter on TikTok, oh, 19 years, and she like put all these question marks and exclamation points, and I was like, yeah, it's been a minute. Um, it's been a very, very, very uh, long journey with them. And um, I am really proud to say that I am officially five weeks off of them. And um, there's just so much to talk about, so much to go into, and so much I'm, I'm realizing about um, what these things really did to me and why they were given to me so young. And why was that? So I'm a highly sensitive person. And you know, I literally didn't know what an HSP was until I started master of university with Rachel. She's like, you're, she's like, you're an HSP. And I was like, so that's, that's what I am because ain't nobody tell me that. And I literally don't ever hear about this in mainstream in the mainstream world at all, what it means to be a highly sensitive person. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I was a child, I could, I always knew that I could feel things. I always was very aware of that because, um, I just felt so much sadness out in the world. Like, I really, I talk about this story a lot, but I could really look out a window and just cry and I'm like six and I'm not understanding why everything's so scary. I used to look at people and I used to be like, what is this place? And like, why are people the way that they are? And it was like everybody, it, it was like everybody knew a secret and I didn't. And I didn't understand why I was this way and why I could feel so many things. And so I was super emotional and very sensitive as a child. And I would always go to my parents and I would tell them, I used to, I used to get this thing called the rushing feeling, which like my parents really dismissed me, but I could be sitting in my room and it felt like the entire world and in my entire environment was going like a hundred miles per hour. And I was just in stillness and it would create so much anxiety. It would create so much panic. I used to experience like watching the news for five minutes and thinking like I was going to die and I was going to get attacked. I couldn't sleep at night. I used to get insomnia. I used to get sleep paralysis and all of these things. And not to mention what I was experiencing in my home, you know, like my parents, you know, like all other parents were not enlightened. And so I just felt like I, I had a really internally hard upbringing and I had a hard time even putting things to the things that I was putting words to the emotions that I was feeling. And then come high school, um, I always wanted to be a popular girl. I think that I have, I have a lot of shame being around Asian and being Korean. And when I was in high school, like all I wanted to do was like be popular and be accepted. And um, my saving grace was that I was like kind of funny. And so all like the popular girls like liked me and they eventually just had me ushered me into the group. And when I got into high school, I quickly realized that I really wasn't like any of these people, but I was pretending to be something that I wasn't. And I think as I got older in high school, I just couldn't survive um, trying to be like everybody else. I had a million masks on, but inside I was battling so much. And then one day I started having like panic attacks, like nonstop. It would be every day. And every single time I would get a panic attack, I would go from 
one minute I'm like feeling okay. And the next minute I'm literally, my body's like paralyzed. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can't move because I'm so all the fear, all the sadness, I would just cry and cry and cry and eventually get to a place where I was hyperventilating. I just felt like I was losing myself. And then my body would just get into paralysis. And then I would have to call somebody to help me get out of this state physically because I couldn't drive my car and I couldn't do all of these things. And there was one time it got so bad. I was in the middle of the street in town and I got a panic attack because somebody didn't say hi to me. And I just lost it. I felt my brain like literally on fire. The only way that I could describe the panic attack was I felt my face was caving into myself, like into my face and my nose was completely gone. Like I had all these crazy physical sensations. It felt like everything was on fire. And I called my mom and I was, I told her, I was like, I need to go to the ER. Like something is wrong with me. And she picked me up and we went to the ER. And that was the beginning of the journey of getting on antidepressants. Because from then on, it was like, you need to go see a psychiatrist. And as soon as I walked into the psychiatrist's office, he never asked me anything about my sadness. It was like, he just listened to my panic attack. And before anything else, he was writing me up a prescription to get on my first antidepressants. And he told me like, this is going to help me with not having these attacks anymore. This is going to help me with not feeling everything that I was, that I had been feeling all of my life. And I don't know, my parents don't know. We're all very ignorant to all of this. And at 16, I got on my first medication. Mm. And it's not to say, you know, we're blaming the psychiatrists. This is the model of medicine that everyone grew up with. So what we're sharing here today isn't about pointing fingers and saying these things are wrong, this is wrong, and here's why. It's more about saying, okay, well, we tried this and this is what happened. And now I'm going to try something else. And I'm not trying to in any way discredit psychiatry or psychology in any way, but more how can we integrate it and elevate it beyond so that we don't need to have these external substances within our body right Mm -hmm. so what age were you when you first started taking you said 16 yeah so i was 16 and what they suggested is that it should be coupled with talk therapy beautiful and i tried many therapists and every therapist that i was put with it was either there was no connection Um, And I knew intuitively, like, this is not helping me. Like, I'm just sitting here Mm -hmm. trying. First of all, I even had a hard time expressing what I was feeling. Like, I had no idea what was going on within me. All I knew was that something was wrong with me. And so I would sit in all these therapy sessions and like, it was, it never felt like this was the thing that was going to help me. And I tried a lot of therapy and I tried a lot of different therapists and eventually I was like I just feel like I'm wasting my parents money and like nothing's actually helping me so Mm. I'll just stick to these antidepressants and I'll just wing it and just keep on going and over the course of my life of 19 years what's been fascinating is number one intuitively I knew I always knew that these things weren't actually helping me Because if they were actually helping me, then why was I still spiraling all the time? You know, Mm -hmm. why was I still entering these deep cycles of depression? Like growing up, my depression looked all kinds of ways, right? It was um, self-abuse. So I told you like there there was a year where I really cut myself. Then there was another year where like every time I would go into depression, I couldn't get out of bed. There were were so many different um, ways that my, it would come out of me and what would happen to me physically in my life. And- Every single time I'd go back into the psychiatrist's office and I'd be like, I don't think these are helping me. Like, I still feel really sad and I'm still really anxious. The answer was, well, you need more or Mm -hmm. we need to change it. So like I have been on every kind of antidepressant. I have been on all small amounts, medium amounts, uh, large amounts. Like I'll never forget, like in my, in my later twenties, I went to my doctor and my psychiatrist and I told her, I was like, listen, I've been on this stuff for 15 years. And I was like, and I still feel like I want to die. And like, nothing is actually helping. Nothing is actually working. And she looked me straight down the eye and she said, well, why don't we up the 75 more? 
And so that was our relationship was every time I'd come in, she just listened to my, if I was sadder and then she would up the dose. And mm. so like, I can't even imagine what that's happening to my physical body. But again, in my ignorance, there was no help on understanding why I am the way that I am. It was just keep taking this medicine. And I knew even though they weren't hundred percent working, like I knew that they were numbing me in some sense as well, because I couldn't feel the depth of things. And I knew that intuitively, but I didn't really understand that because I've been on them for so long. Mm -hmm. And every time in my journey where I've tried to get off of them, um, my family and bless them, like they don't know either would start telling me that the reason why I'm spiraling is because I need more and I shouldn't try to get off of them. And so I truly started to believe that without these things, I wouldn't be able to function in life, that without these things, I would really die, really, like because um, the sadness and the fear and anxiety that would come up was so severe that I started to rely and depend and really attach to these things until I started this work. And I realized like, no, Ellie, there's just a lot of wounds and there's a lot of programs at play. And I know now that like, I was just so afraid. I was mm. so afraid to feel my pain. Let's um, love this all. Thank you for sharing. And thank. just want to take a minute to shout out to Ellie Lee for sharing all this because it's, it's a lot to divulge. Um, and let's keep going in. So I would love to go back to when you were 16 and you're starting to get on these things and they're recommending to you, okay, talk with talk therapy, take these pills. And this was kind of like at that time, this was the answer, right? This was what they were encouraging everyone to do. Knowing what you know now, having the awareness that you have now, if you go back into that 16 year old girl's body, why do you think it was that you couldn't connect with any other therapists? Because I have my own perception and I went through therapy too, but I'd love to hear what, what your experience was looking back now, understanding what you do. I don't ever felt like I was guided. I never felt like they were asking me deeper questions into why I felt the way that I felt or why I was the way that I was. It was just a lot of, me talking and them going, uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it, it was, just, it was, it, it, that was it. That was it. So it was like, in my head, I started to believe like, okay, so I guess I just talk about what I'm feeling and that's it. And that's why it just like never, ever really hit with me because mm -hmm. I was like, I need to understand where this is all coming from. I don't understand what any of this is or why do I freak out constantly and spiral into these deep bouts of depression? Why do I feel anxiety? Why am I afraid? Why don't I feel good enough? Like what is all of this stuff that keeps coming up over and over again in my life? And nobody was ever helping me to get there. And so eventually I was like, well, that doesn't work. So I'm just going to figure it out on my own. And that I, I was always at the same place, even if I was seeing a therapist or not. Mm -hmm. So all I was doing was talking about it, but no one was, we were never actually getting anywhere, which means I was never hitting the root cause of anything. So I was like, F it. I'm just going to keep trying to survive and like take these pills and get on with my merry way because me sitting here and wasting a hundred dollars, you know, that was another thing that I was carrying too, is like the burden of like, I already felt like a burden to my family of like, I knew that I was the one in the family that felt too much. I knew that I was the one in the family that had the most problems. And so I, I was always feeling guilt, like I'm wasting my parents' money and like, what's wrong with me? Like, I just need to suck it up and like get better so that I don't um, waste my parents' money and like just be just this huge burden on them. Like, I don't wanna do that. And so that's why I stopped talk therapy, even though later on in my life, I kept trying again and mm -hmm. it just was never it. And so then this next period that you go through from 16 to however long you want to go to up till now, like you already mentioned, like you were just trying to survive. Right. And this is something that we've spoke about a lot of like your life has been this constant loop of just trying to get by and just trying to make it through the day. 
what was it like living those years, taking these pills, failing through talk therapy, not finding the answers? I grew up very religious, very Christian. And so I knew that suicide could never really be the answer. I also like, I, I toyed around with suicide a lot, a lot in my life. I think the thought of it felt very freeing for me because then I wouldn't have to be here and I wouldn't have to feel what I felt. Mm -hmm. And so, but I knew that committing suicide would be very unfair to my family because then they would have to be the ones that were left to um, feel the loss of me and feel all that pain. So I knew that I couldn't do that to them, which is like actually really sad <sighs> to say out loud because I think that's how sad I felt. And I just had nobody around me to really talk to me about this stuff. So I just, I always knew something was wrong with me. And because I couldn't do that to the people around me, I had to learn how to survive. I had to learn how to get by in this life because I knew one day it would be over. But until that day, how was I gonna get through every day? That was literally the only goal. I was like, let's just get through every day. And I think that's why I enjoy going to sleep so much. Because when I slept, I didn't have to feel what I felt throughout every single day of my life. You know, I, I talk about this, but I think I've done a really good job of um, letting people think that I'm a really happy person and like, I'm really positive and all of these things. But underneath that mask is just this really sad girl and who doesn't, want to live and I feel like I'm forced to live. And so I've lived um, 35 years in that until I really found this work, until I really started to awaken to the truth of who I am. But uh, it's been really rough. It's been very hard. And what, uh, what specific like doses and brands were you taking during these times like can you give some details just for anyone listening that might be able to relate i have been on a plethora of different types i think the ones that i really remember are um i've been on prozac i've been on zoloft i've been on paxil i was on paxil for a really long time and then the last one i was on for a while was lexapro um i've definitely been on others but those are the ones that i can remember in the last 19 years they were always like this is the funny part about it every time um it would get really bad like when i would really go into like a, a period of depression the answer was well let's just go change let's go change the antidepressant i was like okay so then i would get on another one and then it would be like a high dose and then when i was doing better it would get onto medium dose and then a small dose and then as soon as i got bad again let's go back up again so it's been 19 years of like this seesaw of just a mixture of all kinds of antidepressants and then small doses medium doses high doses and at one point i think on paxil like i was taking a lot of it and still did nothing I was still constantly spiraling and I was still going through it. But I also knew that in some ways they were numbing a lot of my pain because every time I would attempt to get off an antidepressant, it was just the worst idea ever. And I knew that like, I started to really believe that I couldn't live without these things. Like truly uh, the conditioning was deep. And even my parents, like every time I'm going through something, they, they, their question to me is, are you off of your antidepressants? Like, you need to get back. Are, are you sure you're taking them every day? Like, literally, my parents calling me and going, or did you take them today? Did you take them today? Did you take mm -hmm. them today? Which is like just adding on to the to the programming that, and this is what why my wounds have been so strong is like, I'm not capable of doing life and living life without these things. Therefore, I need them to survive. Mm. Which is just like really making the program of powerlessness like so strong and at the forefront of all of my wounds. Yeah, because we give it away to this external thing and we think that we need this to be okay. And I think that leads the next question to what is medicine? What is medicine to you? From your experience, I don't want you to tell, like, I'm not saying from like, yeah. A clinical definition like tell me what is something that 
what do you class as a medicine? I mean, I think for me, it, the definition of medicine is something for me to not, for me, something for me to take to not feel pain. For me not to feel what I've always felt. And because that's bad. So I've learned that what I feel and who I am is not good. So take this so you don't have to feel or be any of it. That's what medicine means to me. It's not, it's never cured me, quote unquote. It's never made me feel better, made everything go away. Everything was still there. I think all it did was just numb me for the time being so that I didn't have to feel the full extent of it all. Mm. Yeah, and I would say obviously the, what we're really talking about here, medicine is something that we take through a period of our life, uh, our life, whether that be days, months, years to help us heal. And from what it sounds like, you've been taking this stuff for 19 years and that wasn't helping you heal. The beauty of it was though, is that it's got you allowed you to survive to a place and a time where the answers are being brought forth. And so let's get into that. Yeah. What is it that you started doing that allowed you to come off these antidepressants? Well, you know, I think the first saving grace was, um, I really disconnected from source when I was really young. And then I went through a lot of religious trauma and I experienced a really big trauma for like six years of my life in my twenties where I really cut off my connection. I said, source doesn't exist. Nothing exists. The only thing that is real is what society in this world feeds me. And so I'm just going to attach to that and that's it. And I hit rock bottom in 2019 and I heard the calling to do inner work and I didn't even know what that meant. And as soon as I started doing inner child work, I realized, holy crap, like I am a mess and I have no, I, I have no idea what it means to actually like myself. I remember the first time I've heard about self-love before, but I know to me, you, that to me was the most foreign concept in the world of loving yourself. Like literally did not understand what that meant. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so when I started the work and I realized like there was so much for me to understand and so much for me to process um that eventually inevitably brought me to a spiritual journey i had no idea when i started the inner work there was gonna be a spiritual journey i don't know, I don't know. Why, why am i seeing 11 11 everywhere what's going on what's happening and when i googled it and it was angel numbers and then all these like beautiful divine synchronicity started happening all this stuff and i the first saving grace of my life has been that i am much more than this body i am much more than the mind and this reality in this world is actually an illusion and who I really am is beyond um, human comprehension. That's, that was the first saving grace. That was the first time I felt like I could breathe, but truly. And that was at 32 years old where I was like, started to remember who I really was in these very small little ways. But that was the first time, um, I actually felt joy in my life, really, that in, when I was 32. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so 32, you started this, this journey of self-love. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, so you're 35 now. So what's been this last three, four years been like, where is it? Where is it taking you? And what were your steps to get to where you're at now, which is free of antidepressants yeah um i started off i think uh, how a lot of people start off and i'm sure you can relate to this too i bought every book that i could um i was doing affirmations all morning and right before i went to bed you know bed like i am love i am powerful i am strong i was i was such an, a dedicated meditator i really dedicated myself to meditation and it, it's meditation is beautiful because it's the first time that you can actually disconnect from your crazy mind and your thoughts for sure and it was the it was the first time in my life where i actually um experienced silence within 
Um, but I was doing all of the things I was doing everything that I could to heal. And two years into my awakening journey, I still didn't really know what it really meant to love myself. And I still didn't know why everything was triggering me and why I still felt really low and why I still felt really sad. If I had this awakening, if I was doing the inner work, if I was doing all this stuff, why was I still this way? And then I intuitively knew that, um, I, uh, I needed to start calling in a mentor, a guide, a teacher. I didn't, I had no idea what I was going to look like. I didn't know if it was a community. I didn't know anything. All I knew was the universe. I said, I would say this constantly to the universe, like, please guide me to what it means to really heal myself because everything that I've been introduced to in the last two years has been beautiful, but I'm still in many ways, exactly where I've always been. And I'm still super sad inside and I really need guidance. So whoever's for my highest good, for my highest path, I'll wait as long as it takes. Like I'm not in, I'm not here to rush any of this. I'm just here to just be open. And the first time I heard Rachel Fiore on a podcast. I talk about this, but my soul started vibrating. I literally was driving and I'd stop the car because I started to free. I, I was like bugging out. I was like, what this woman is speaking to me right now. It felt like what she was telling me that it was the first time I heard someone tell me in a grounded way, you can heal. Yeah. Let me show you how. And I didn't understand what that was going to look like. I didn't know. But all I knew was, Whatever this woman knows, I need to know, and I need to join whatever she's offering because I'm, I was so ready. And when I joined the mystical life coach program, I mean, I really had, I was like, Oh, I'll learn some stuff. Mm -mm. It was the beginning of everything. And because I've been doing this work for a year now, it has given me so, um, the knowing that I can really do this. And I think that having the MS family, having you as my partner, you know, having Rachel as this amazing, you know, just selfless guide in so many ways and feeling what it feels like to face the boogeyman and face all of my fears. Like I realized like, it's not that scary, Ellie, like you have the power to do this. And so I started really feeling the calling in November which was just like, you know, a few months ago, I, I told you I was seeing nine, nine and nine, 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 the numbers so incessantly. And I looked to you one time and a car passed by and said nine, nine, nine. And I was like, I'm being, I'm being um, prepped for the next chapter. And you looked at me and you go, you know what it is, right? And as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, it's time for me to get off of these things. And I said that to you and you go, exactly. And that's what it was. It was just letting me know you've got this and you can do this now. And I know that with you, and I'd love for you to talk about this. I made a lot of, you would talk to me for months about this. You'd be like, hey, like, so when do you think like that will happen? Because, you know, I feel like you are ready. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> I would make like all these excuses because there was still so much fear in there. Mm -hmm. The brainwashing of thinking that if I do get these things, what if I lose myself? What if I lose control? Those fears were definitely all of there, even though intuitively and deeply I knew that I was ready. I made definitely some excuses because I was still allowing the program of fear to get in the way. And, we and that fear is very real. Yeah. Very real. It's something that we experience. It's not to take lightheartedly. Like this whole thing we're talking about is a super serious conversation. I hope by no means we're, it feels like we're painting this out to be an, an easy thing and something that anyone can just do at any moment of your life. No, you really have to be ready for this. So how do you know that you were ready? How did you know? The work we've done at MSU allowed me to understand what my core wounds were and why I literally was the way that I was. Like if I could describe to you who I was before this work, I was extremely angry. I judged everybody. I was like, I love gossip. I loved like hating on people. Um, I was supremely insecure. I constantly felt unworthy. I had so many different types of fears. Um, I ran so many, and I still run, of course, I'm still healing um, programs of like feeling less than others and then feeling like um, I'm better than others, like all of these things, right? 
and all of like the anxiety that I was running and the depression, all these things. When I started to really get to the root of a lot of this is when I started to realize like, oh, these are really just energies that were created that have been fed a lot uh, throughout my life. And that's why they're so strong. So they overrule me, they control me, they are the rulers of my entire existence. And when I started really doing this work and I started getting to the root core wounds and I started really opening up my heart to all of them, I realized like, oh, I can do this. Like, I'm not afraid. I can honestly sit here and tell you, like, I'm not afraid anymore. Like, I'm not afraid to feel the fear. I'm not afraid to feel um, how scary this existence can still be for me at times. I'm not afraid to feel my sadness. Mm -hmm. And that's what this work has given me. And I know that uh, it's been five weeks of me just getting off of them, but man, like all the stuff that I have felt all of my life has shown up in the last five weeks. Of course it has, Mm -hmm. but every single time I face it and I'm not on the pill and I, I don't, I'm not, I don't have any crutches anymore. I can't describe how powerful that feels to know like, oh, I can really do this and I'm really doing it. Hmm. You know, the main thing that comes through there is empowerment is what we teach. We teach empowerment. We teach how to find that power within. You know, that's the name of the course that we coach people through, the power within. And it's not that our relationship to fear um, oh, sorry, it's not that the fear goes away. It's not that the pain goes away. It's not that the sadness goes away. It's our relationship to it that we change first. And once we change our relation to, to it, we're able to step into our power. Then we can actually work at dissolving that fear. Yeah. The power comes first. And obviously this is a, a process where we go from in and out, it's an integration process, but tapping ourselves back into our power gives us this birthright to be able to confront emotions like fear, periods like depression and anxiety or deep, deep sadness from our childhood and actually have the courage to process it and not run away from it. So it's awesome to watch you find your power and unfold but this process has been going on of you weaning off these antidepressants for a minute. So this time last year, what dose were you on and what antidepressant were you on? I was on Lexapro, which they said, not Lexapro. uh, uh, Yes. Is it Lexapro? No, it was Effexor. Effexor. Now that I remember that. Effexor. I was on Effexor at... I believe around 230 milligrams. Um, I was actually taking two pills of it. Um, One that was like 37.5 and then the other one was whatever is left of that math. Um, And I was taking it diligently because I was still in a place where I was really still afraid to get off of them. So I've been weaning off these things for a year Every time I would meet up with my psychiatrist, she'd be like, how are you doing? I'd be like, I'm ready to get off of these things. So I would like to start the weaning off process. And so for a few months, I was um, getting off slowly and slowly and slowly. And then I spent around four months on the lowest dose that I could possibly be on until I was ready to just let go and uh, really begin the journey. And so it's been a year of weaning off of them slowly. And the beginning of this year, so Mm -hmm. just a couple months ago, what dose were you on then? I was on 37 and a half milligrams. So 237 to 37 over the course of a year. Mm -hmm. And what's the lowest dose that you could be taking? 37 and a half, that was the lowest. So in the space of a year, by learning this work, by pairing this work Mm -hmm. and reducing your dosage by the guidance of your psychiatrist, in the space of a year, you were able to wean off something that you've been on for nearly 20 years, all the way down to the final dose 
until one day in the new year you said okay it's time i'm ready to let go of the guardrails what was it like deciding i i don't want to do this anymore and i don't need to keep taking these Um, so it, talking about it makes me emotional because I think for the first time I've been tapping into my power. I'm feeling who I am underneath all of it. And she's not here all the time because I'm still working through a lot, but I started feeling the power within. I really started connecting with my divine self and understanding that I am not this broken, depressed, sad person. That is not the truth of who I am. And that was enough. I had done enough work to really let go and fly because I know underneath all of it, whatever my mind says, whatever my emotions tell me that I am all of these things, whatever all of these outside people tell me, they what they can't take away from me is who I truly am. And that in itself, opening my heart and beginning to love everything that is here has given me what I needed to just start flying. And, you know, I think that I'm also very blessed to have you as a partner to really help me and guide me when I'm really um, feeling a little crazy or when I'm really crying. And it's what you do so beautifully is that you don't ever try to fix me. You just sit there and all you ever say to me really is it's okay. Just feel what you're feeling. And that itself, I realized like I just never had support in that way from anybody. And that in itself um, just gives me the space to just feel and to do everything on my own. But I spent a lot of years um, trying to figure everything out on my own. And now I just feel powerful enough to do what I'm doing, but also um, really collided beautifully, divinely with having you as a partner and my soul family to really just support me as I, um, you know, walk this new path. What do you think the difference is between what I have been able to offer you versus those therapists that you worked with when you were 16? I never felt actual love or spaciousness or support or safety or security. Almost every therapist I've ever had, I've seen them look at the clock during our hour together. And every time I saw that, I never felt safe. I knew that I was just a paycheck. Mm. I knew that I was just um, $100 an hour. And I can also feel now it's like, how can they be spaciousness if they haven't done the work themselves? And I think that's why what I feel with you is in, in those moments, it doesn't feel like, oh, you're my boyfriend. It just feels like this beautiful, safe space for me to just feel secure enough to cry and to open and to just feel. And I've just never had that in my life. And I can only feel that because of what I do for myself when I show up for myself constantly. Um, and I would say that's the difference. Energy doesn't lie. Energy does not lie. There is no lying. You can't bullshit energy. It is or it isn't. Straightforward. It's either this energy or it's this energy. And our ego can perceive things differently. That's different. That's a perception of your own self, through your own self. But the energy that we're in doesn't lie. So my experience with therapy is that exactly what it was like from the mind. 
there was a few therapists that I worked with that did have a little bit more of that true nurturing soft energy. But what we're speaking about here is the only reason I was able to show up to you like that is because I built enough internal safety and security within myself, a big enough emotional capacity to handle your emotions while you're going through it, that when you're freaking out and getting super scared about the intensity of the emotion that you're going to feel, I had to be able to be able to handle that too. And that is what a good therapist, coach, partner can do for you. Ultimately, we want to be able to do that for ourselves, 100%. But as we're going through these challenging times, it's unloving to push away support from others when we need it. It's okay for us not to be perfect and we don't have to do everything alone. The work that we teach is to become more empowered. So we don't need to lean on people, but it still it doesn't mean that's not okay to do that. It doesn't mean that when you're going through a hard time, not to lean on your support, uh, your partner for support when you need them. Um, and to help integrate that lack of masculine safety that you haven't felt your whole life, yeah. right? That is something that I'm now modeling for you so you can integrate. It's different to you depending on me you don't depend on me but i'm able to provide you a space for you to go into your feelings and just be with them and explore them and that comes all relationships they're a reflection of the relationship we have with ourselves. and i know everyone talks about that but what does it truly mean it means what energy are we in in every second of every day what energy are we in while we're connecting to someone what energy are we in while we're providing someone the space, are we truly being present with them? Because this is something that I've really had to work on is that when I'm with somebody, my mind wants to run. It wants, and just like you said, the therapist is thinking about the time, like looking at the clock, like they're not being present with you. And in that moment when they're not present with you, you're not, you're not creating safety for you to actually heal and elevate beyond. Okay. This has been quite an episode. Um, so what yeah. came up for you? What came up for you as you're moving through this? You've let go of the range. You've stopped taking the pill. You're finally at this place. You're feeling more empowered. But you know there's going to be a lot that comes up because the yeah. way that these synthetic pharmaceutical drugs work is they suppress everything in your field so that you are disconnected from what's really happening in your body. They suppress the central nervous system, which can allow someone to find some level of stability, mm -hmm. which maybe you could go on. Someone could find some benefit if they're really in crisis mode. You're looking for that stability, right? And all this fear is just, it's just coming up. So what actually happened in your body? What fears came up? What did you have to overcome in these last five weeks? And where are you at now? Yeah. I had crazy body zaps. I call them body brain zaps. And I realize other people who've, who've been through withdrawal also use the same phrase as me, and which is so interesting. But it, feel, it felt like when I first got off of them, like I was constantly like having these like millisecond blackouts, like it would be a like in my brain. Um, that would happen a lot. It doesn't happen nearly as much. There are moments now, like it's been five weeks that like I'll get a, like here and there, but not as much. Um, my stomach has hurt like it's never hurt before. Uh, a lot of pain in there. Um, something I'm also experiencing is a lot of nightmares, a lot of night terrors. Uh, I really haven't slept since I got off of these things well at all, um, which is, you know, adds on, adds on um, throughout the days and throughout the weeks. Um, that's been really difficult for me. But what I will say is, man, I can feel so much more now. Like within the first week, everything was making me cry. Like I could hear someone say something, I'm just start crying. And I'm like, oh my God, like I didn't know that I felt this much. And even like my sensitivities, like it's not fun, but you know, when you, you me and Danny will go to like 
a TJ Maxx or a Goodwill or a Costco or a Dollar Tree or whatever, and I'm obliterated. Like my, I'm so tired because I'm a highly sensitive person. I couldn't feel that when I was on um, the pills. I also felt like I couldn't feel the depths of my heart when I was on these things. And now more and more, I feel deeper and deeper and deeper. And so while there's been many downfalls because with, and getting off any kind of drug, it, there's gonna be withdrawal, of course, but what's coming out of it and what I'm accessing now that I'm off of these things is like, it's brilliant, it's amazing. And I know that this is just really the beginning of all of that. And so I'm just, I'm just really grateful every single day that passes by and I don't need those things like is a win for me. And so I'm just in a place where I'm just so ready to um, face it all, even though it sucks, <laughs> even though it's a lot. Um, it's not a lot because I have the work and that I have the tools now to really, really do this deep, really deeply. Um, and everything has brought me right here, every single thing. Like I can look back on the 19 years and be angry and I can be in regret or I can say thank you because all of it led me right here to do what I'm doing and to do what I'm here to do um, for myself and then for the world. Yeah, they kind of keep you. I've taken them, so I understand. I took them for maybe a couple of weeks or a month period. Um, not every day every couple of days when I was severely depressed I actually bought them off uh at the on the black market in India wow. uh, which is an interesting place uh lorazepam I think I was taking I think that sounds about right it's like an anti-anxiety some kind of same kind of thing and um they keep you between as the way I felt it it was like between three and six and out of ten Right. So you never got to experience what it's like to be a one or a two, but then you also never experienced seven, eight, nine or 10. Mm -hmm. And it just keeps you, it brings you down a notch and keeps you locked in this kind of your nervous system in this kind of place, which is why it doesn't address the actual core wounds. It's not addressing the energy that's in there. It's not addressing the fear, the way you're thinking, the way you're feeling, it's not addressing any of that. It's just locking you into feeling less, which yes, can be a good thing if you don't want to feel your sadness. It can be a good thing if you're not ready to feel your pain. But that's what the skills that we teach. This is a birthright. This is something that we all should naturally be able to do is open our heart and feel pain. But we just were not taught it. And it's only until Rachel Fiore came to this earth. She's really teaching the simple steps on how to do this. And this is what we teach and coach in all of our programs. This is the, the base level work before we can even start to becoming the ways of oneness and start elevating. Not everyone's like Ellie. Uh, my experience of life was very different to Ellie's. Ellie, you know, you went through this, just this life of like just pure pain and dullness and grayness, right? Yeah. Whereas for me, I had a very different experience with these things because I I was normally living a lot of the time at the six, seven, eight, nine, ten, then down. I was living like the full spectrum of all the yeah. human emotions down to the ones and twos, up to the tens, like fall riding the wave. But then it, I got stuck in this place because all my trauma was coming up and it was like all ones and twos for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's where the, um, the antidepressants made me go up to like the three, four, fives for a little bit because I didn't have to feel the ones and twos. So it did feel good for me for a little bit, but I realized six hours later I was back down to the ones and twos again so for me i realized oh this isn't a medicine and i thankfully never got fully physically addicted to it or mentally addicted because i there was something for me calling higher saying you can do this without that like it's just going to be difficult and i trusted that and i followed it the reason i bring this up is uh, someone listening their experience might not be the exact same as ellie's as you wean off these things Ellie, you've had an extremely difficult path to get to where you're at for a very good reason. 
every amount of pain and suffering that we go through, all of that struggle, it directly relates to the amount of power that we can have as an individual. So the more pain that we go through, the more potential we have to elevate even higher, the more well of understanding we can go into when we need to understand what it means to bring our love and bring our light to this person or myself or this thing that needs it, right? And so everyone's going to be different. Everyone's experience here is unique and different. And with that being said, what does your future look like? Hopeful. <laughs> I think I lived in hopelessness for so long. And um, I have this knowing that the next 35 plus years of my life are going to be filled with a lot of joy. And it doesn't mean there's not going to be pain and there's not going to be challenges. But I know that I just entered... Um, the biggest sigh of relief uh, for the next X amount of years that I am graced um, as a human being on this planet is going to be wildly different for me. Um, I'm here to come all the way home and to remember who I am. And I'm just excited uh, to just be where I'm at. Even though I'm working through a lot of things, um, there's this knowing that um, where I'm headed and even where I'm right now is, it's just beautiful. It's just really beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm just going to check my questions that I wanted to ask you and see if there's <laughs> anything Danny's else. Danny's been doing great with asking questions, but yeah, to everyone at home, you know, uh, if you're on antidepressants, like, totally understand you know when it's divinely time for you when you intuitively feel like it's you're ready to get off of them you will um i've learned after 19 years they are just a, a band-aid over a very deep deep cut and uh they can stop the bleeding for a while but it won't actually heal the deep wound and it doesn't mean that um if you feel the calling to work with one of our mystical life coaches a master self um you can be on antidepressants and do it you know it, it doesn't mean that you need to be off of them and all of these things uh, if you want to work with any of us, uh, please set up a free consultation at mastersofselfuniversity.com and really get to know our one-on-one three-month program and our four-month HSP program. Also, if you're a, a couple and you want to do relationship coaching, we also offer that as well. And um, get Rachel Fiore's book, Mason's Way, The 20 Universal Ways of Oneness, taught by the spirit of an enlightened dog. Because, yep, it is... Um, whew, integrating those ways of oneness is a whole beautiful journey on itself. And so, uh, thank you for guys so much for listening, share, subscribe, comment, review, Danny, thank you, uh, for always being here with me and for everyone and Kappa, we are one t-shirt. We have merch now at MSU. So go check that out. Danny's rocking his and until next time, we love you guys so much. We are one. I love you all. Bye. Bye.